Welcome to Three Levels Deep. Uh, I'm Matt, and today I'm joined by Santo. How you doing? And Alex. hey And we're just going to be talking about some stuff we've been playing lately, and got a little bit of news, and I'm going to actually be talking about something I read. Ooh. Oh. Reading? <laughs> Reading What's on that? a gaming podcast? I know. I know. But it's relevant. <laughs> All right, well, I have been playing the hottest sequel, even hotter than the Caligula Effect 2, is I, the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. Oh, that, so that sounds hotter than the weather outside. Canadian summers. It's not just igloos up here, you know. Things get warm. Uh, but, yeah, it's not only warming up here. It's warming up in the Somnium Files because... There's a new AI in town, and she's hot. <laughs> she's over-sexualized to the max. Okay. Because this game is even hornier than the first one. I, oh, boy. That, that sounds difficult. In Nirvana Initiative, you got a different protagonist this time, uh, a guy by the name of Ryuki. And he, he it actually like flips the dynamic of the first game. Because in the first game, you had Date, who was a horn, horny old man, in you know the young adult body basically because it's japan you can't have old people in in japanese games for old protagonists for whatever reason uh and his uh ai eyeball that he had in him aiba was kind of played the straight man most of the time and like kind of kept him in check um but this time it's the ai that's horny as hell <laughs> as making a bunch of fucking sex jokes and innuendo and is also dressed up kind of like a dominatrix but, that that just sounds like par for the course for anime these days. Absolutely. Uh, so he is investigating the half-body serial killings, where people are being split down the middle at the molecular level I, and being left on, around. Hold on. What? How? Okay. S stay with me here. Wouldn't all splitting of bodies be at the molecular level, if you think about it? Like, if I, well, if I chop your arm off, I split the arm off. I split the arm molecules off of the body molecules. It's such a, it's such a, like, it sounds, it sounds fancy. It's not. Yeah, I know. But, like... <laughs> that reminds me, actually, of this, like, manga I read a long time ago about a sword that, like, can split at, at the, uh the molecular level and it's just like it's so sharp that the tip of the sword is only one molecule wide and therefore it can cut anything perfectly they they do they mentioned that in stargate continuum <laughs> all right it's a yeah. it's it's it's, it's also it's ridiculous. a well-worn concept that's it's awesome ridiculous. it's not how i mean it's not how swords work to be honest but but regardless half of people's bodies are just showing up all over the place and it's you know, it's Ryuki's job to kind of figure out why. Is the other half still alive? Uh, d I mean, <laughs> I'm going to bisect you right now. Uh, do you think one of your halves is going to live and the other half's going to die? Maybe if they only find half, it'll happen. I mean, you know, like, you got two lungs, you got two kidneys, like, it, you lose one, whatever. It's fine. I mean, this is anime. You can got lose... two testicles. 
You can lose so much blood and still be walking around. I flying. mean, okay, True. so uh, you know, even your brain comes in halves. But importantly, I think this is why when you get cut in half, you don't survive. It's because your left brain controls the right body, and the right brain controls your left body. So if you want to survive by section, you have to switch the brains. What about that like weird condition where where people's like organs are are like on the opposite side or whatever? Oh yeah, I like don't know. what? What is like the does their like left brain right brain happen that way either? Oh, that's a great that's a great question. I have no idea. If 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 people with that condition still have like the left brain controlling the left and right brain controlling the right or whatever, but like it's actually like right brain controls the right half, left brain controls the left half. I if that's true, then I'm surprised it wasn't a twist in this game <laughs> because that sounds exactly like the the kind of stuff that's up this game's alley. Uh. So yeah, you're you know investigating this like in the same way as the first game by doing these investigation sequences where you like kind of look at things in the, the environment and talk to people, as well as the uh, somniums, which are you going into people's minds, into their dreamscapes, and kind of like interacting with their subconscious. And all of those are pretty much the same as the first one, being like really cool visually and a lot of like surrealist things happening but they're kind of a pain in the ass like gameplay wise uh so a good thing about the game is that they introduce difficulty levels for these to basically make it so that you have like very a lot less or like virtually no time pressure because that's that's the entire difficulty is like trying to complete these sections within a certain time where you don't really because they're surrealist, you don't have a great grasp on like what is needed to proceed. Sometimes the non-obvious option is the one you actually need to do. So, and they all, they also had a map to these and like markers and stuff. So, it's in terms of how the game plays, it plays much better than the first one. Um, in terms of like the story, I think that the story is a bit worse than the first game. Uh, there's a lot of like really cool parts to it. There. Like, the theme of the game is all about simulation theory. The theory that the world we live in isn't real, it's a simulation by some other, like, advanced uh, race or something like that. Yeah, a lot of people have convinced themselves that, that like, it is statistically... A, a lot of people have convinced themselves it is a statistical certainty that we live in a simulation. Uh, those people are thinking too hard. Yes, that is brought that is brought up in this game. Uh, but there are other things that this game brings up that almost convince me. <laughs> like, hmm. Uh, but like the the like lengths as which they go to to make it seem viable is are hilarious. There's references to like Hinduism and like Buddhist Zen philosophy to try and prove that the world is a simulation. Oh my god! And stuff and like. Uh, <clears throat> I don't even want to like spoil any of the like kind of links that they try to make between the two because they're so batshit and out there. It's great. Um, along with these like half bodies that are showing up everywhere, there's these weird like vaporwave like s videos that are being sent out that are like maybe making people crazy. And what I mean, vaporwave vaporwave will do that. Vaporwaves will do that. Do that, that to world, you. Is that why the world's going crazy? Too much vaporwave? Yeah. <laughs> and actually, the first body that shows up, 
like has a QR code on a sign staked <laughs> to it. And the QR code works. It takes you to an unlisted <laughs> YouTube video of one of the weird vapor-wavy things. <laughs> so they, 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 they thought of everything there. It's really cool. Um, there's, there's a Tamagotchi in the game. Because why not? Well, that, that's, that's clearly the highlight. Yeah. Uh, there's also a lot more musical numbers in the first game, which I was surprised by. But I, I don't know. This game's all over the fucking place, man. Um, I, I did enjoy my time with it, but I think that, A, um, you shouldn't play unless you play the first one. There's not even that much. There's barely anything linking the two in terms of plot-wise, but you should play the first one because it references it. In a lot in a decent number of jokes so play the first one it's also great so do that um and i also think that uh the game as it stands right now is maybe like maybe wait for a sale because it's like it's 50 bucks us so like 70 something canadian uh and it uses like a lot of assets from the first game and it is like you know, mostly a visual novel-esque kind of thing. Like, it really doesn't feel like it should have been as expensive as it is. Yeah, that's like AAA game title price. Yeah. It's like single A game title <laughs> price. This is just a notch below. Um, but, yeah, I it's, it's a lot more of the same from the first game in terms of, like, style, jokes, uh, philosophy, themes, and all that stuff. But it's still pretty damn good. Um, the, like, the, the two problems I have is that there's too many action sequences that are just, like, not very good. Uh, like, they didn't put the budget into, like, the animation to make them as flashy as they want them to be. Uh, and I'm not the biggest fan of quick time events, as uh. I don't know who is. <laughs> like, you can't, your game has to use the quick time events well, and this doesn't use them pretty stock. There's only one quick time event that I'm ever in favor of, and that's when you press F. God damn it. Oh no, I like the sequence in Heavy Rain where you can just fail every quick time event and it just turns into a slapstick comedy chase scene. <laughs> the only good the only game with good quick time events is Asura's Wrath. That's the only one. Mm, yeah. Cause you gotta cause it there's one part in, in Asura's Wrath where like there's like you're doing quick time events, and then there's just like a hundred like squares on the screen, and that's uh, and every time you press square, one of them disappears, and you just got to keep hammering on the damn thing. Hmm. Like it presents the quick time events in actually a fun way, whereas most of them is just like, here's a button, here's a direction. Maybe the button in the direction is like on like the hand of the thing that's doing the action, but whatever. And the second thing is that um, this game has a pretty big twist in it, and I didn't really like it that much. It felt really, like, cheap and stupid, <laughs> as opposed to the twist of the first game being, like, really well done and, like, well thought out. So, I don't know. Uh, but, I, I again, even despite those things, I still think it's worth playing. And, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of quick-time events... Uh, the game I'm going to talk about today actually has some quick time events in a way as well. Uh, I'm talking about Bug Fables, The Everlasting Spring. And Bug Fables is an action RPG uh, very much in the vein of Paper Mario. Nice. And by very much in the vein of Paper Mario, 
I mean, they ripped off Paper Mario <laughs> about as hard as they could without Nintendo suing them. Legally distinct Paper Mario. It's yeah. legally distinct Paper Mario, yeah. Uh, everything about this game. Like, I knew that it was like Paper Mario. I didn't expect how fully it is a Paper Mario game. <laughs> you know, when you level up, you get a choice of health, metal points, and... Um, MP or whatever they call it, exactly the same as you do in Paper Mario. The UI is exactly the same as Paper Mario. The in-game menus look like they... It, it looks like Paper Mario in the menus. Uh, the quick time event... Uh, so for those of you who have played Paper Mario, you'll know that there's some events like holding the stick to the left and then winding up your hammer. In this game, you hold your stick down to wind up your beetle horn. I uh, see totally different. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but very much uh, a lot of the sort of various action elements in order to do more damage for your attacks are actually not explicit they're not all cribbed exactly from Paper Mario. Uh I actually think this is one of the ways in which the game is innovated is that it actually has a lot more variety in the sort of events that you use to increase your damage, which is kind of cool. It actually innovates a bit on the battle form of the Paper Mario games. It's got a lot more like interesting status effects and the status effects, like there's kind of like interactions sometimes that you wouldn't see in the Paper Mario games. Uh, one of the really cool things is that in Paper Mario, you have ground enemies and flying enemies. This game introduces a new type, which is the burrowed enemy. And different attacks can hit different kinds of enemies. A lot of attacks, uh, a lot of attacks that can hit aerial enemies will also hit ground enemies. Attacks that hit burrowed enemies also hit ground enemies. And then there's a few attacks that only hit normal ground enemies. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool in that it's it's basically a Paper Mario game, but it's actually innovated on the battle system a little bit with some new stuff that uh, was never in any of the Paper Mario uh, battle systems. So I, I quite like that. In terms of the sort of story, um, it's definitely going for that like humorous theme of the Paper Mario games. I think it does a pretty good job. I don't think it's quite as good writing-wise as the Paper Mario games, which isn't terribly surprising since it's a fairly low-budget indie game. But it's not bad. It's it's the story's enjoyable. It's a bit of a classic. It's it's actually like kind of like a classic sort of like medieval-ish, like swords, swords and mat, swords and sorcery kind of setting. Except everything's bugs, <laughs> right? So okay. it's like your main party is uh, a beetle with like a horn, a bee, and a uh, moth. Oh, moth moth's the most powerful. I, ma, ma, moth is an I, moth's a fucking ice magician. Like I don't know why the like I don't know where like I don't know where they got that. Like moth, yeah, ice magician. But hey, I mean they they clearly like were spying on us that one time. That moth came in and flew directly into Matt's uh, like Jack and Coke or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and you you covered my glass too. It could not get it. that Jack and Coke was ruined. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like so, I, I, I was just looking above, and I'm like, oh, it better not. And sure enough, just dive bombs my drink. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but yeah, and then uh, a lot of the a lot of the other stuff in the game is very sim similar to the Paper Mario games. You know, it's got some like simple puzzle elements, some simple platforming. Um, the platforming is a bit finicky sometimes, as it is in Paper Mario. Let's be real. Uh, but overall, like it's it's a fun it's a fun little game. Um, it's not the hardest game in the world. I have been playing it with the hard mode badge enabled. And I have not really been struggling too much. There's maybe been like a couple of times where I felt that the game was actually becoming a bit more challenging. Um, like there was uh, one, of the, one of the boss fights, I actually had to try it like maybe three times to actually beat it three or four times with the hard mode badge enabled. But that's kind of what I want, right? Like I've played enough Paper Mario games that... Like, I kind of know how the battle system works. You know, I've got pretty good timing with it. So that's really... It's nice that they give you that option right at the beginning of the game because I think they know a lot of people have played a bunch of Paper Mario games and are probably going to want a bit of extra challenge. Because without the hard mode enabled, I would say that the game is just, like, too easy. Right. But that's coming from someone who's played a bunch of Paper Mario games. So... If you like the Paper Mario games, I would say it's worth a shot. Uh, it's a fun little game. Uh, it's uh, it's on Game Pass actually, which is how I how I got it. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a neat one. Um, it very it's 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 Paper Mario. There's yeah. really it's Paper Mario. It's off-brand Paper Mario. That that's really all there is to it. Um, it's I think I would really be interested to see if Nintendo were to actually crib some of the battle mechanics that they kind of added into a Paper Mario game in the future, <laughs> that'd be kind of funny. Um, maybe they already have. I haven't actually played the most recent Paper Mario game, and I can't remember if it's newer than this game. Yeah, I, I mean, they do like a, a teensy bit of that with like, the, you know, you can't jump on a spine either or you're, you'll get hurt. Like there's a little bit of like, oh, certain attacks don't work on certain enemies, but... Yeah. Like, what, what from you, you're saying, like, enemies having different types, like, that sounds a lot more like they fleshed it out. Yeah, so there's, there, there's yeah, flying and ground. That's just, like, referring to their, uh, how high they are. Actually, enemies also have weaknesses where they'll take extra damage from particular uh, types of attacks. Right. So some enemies, for example, are weak to ice. And so you want to use the ice magic against them because it'll do more damage. Another cool thing they have in this game with the battle system is that, so you have a party of three. And the thing is, sometimes you're going to have an enemy or enemies where a character can't actually do anything. Uh, I believe this could actually happen to you in Paper Mario as well. In Paper Mario, if it happened to you, you're just shit out of luck. <laughs> like, you have no choice. Uh... But in Paper Mario, they had a thing where you could like use Mario or the sidekick first, so you could switch which one went first. But uh, Bug Fables not only has that, so you can use either of you can use the three characters in any order you like. But you also have an ability to support another character instead of taking an action with that character. Mm. So let, if you if you've got the the beetle, for example. The Beetle character can't actually hit aerial enemies with most of his attacks because, you know, he's he's more of like a ground character. Um, 
So if you only have aerial enemies, what you can do is you can take the beetle and, and get him to support, you know, the bee or the moth to actually use those other abilities that those characters have that can hit aerial enemies. And I kind of like that because it adds a bit of depth. And then you also have to consider, you know, the, you know, sort of weaknesses. Again, ice magic's powerful, so more powerful against certain characters. So you might want to use that. Or maybe you want to use like some status effects and stuff. Like there's a, some of the ice magic abilities can actually freeze a character, an enemy character, an enemy, I should say. And then, you know, if you freeze the enemy, they don't attack that turn, which is really good for you. So it, it's, it's, and in, in the hard mode, I've found that I have to use a lot of my special abilities. I have to use my items because otherwise I just won't be able to survive the, you know, boss encounters and, and between save points and stuff like that, uh, which I actually like. It's, it's one of the, it, there's not a lot of games, RPGs especially, where I'm like, oh yeah, I have to use every single item I can get my hands on. Otherwise I'm just going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Usually I tend to hoard items and just not use them ever. But I've been finding that with this game, especially on the harder with the hard mode, like I, I have to like use items and you know kind of plan things out a little bit, which is which is cool. It's not it's not a super difficult game to be clear, but it's interesting enough. So yeah, Bug Fables. A not bad Paper Mario game. Nice. You know, this is something I think we're seeing more of from developers these days where a developer clearly has a desire to make a particular Nintendo game, but they don't work at Nintendo. And they're like, I'm just going to make slightly off-brand Pokemon. Yeah. Or well, we're, we're getting to the age where the people that grew up with Nintendo games are coding now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. Like, it's such a... A lot of Nintendo games really are formulaic, Right. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, there's something to be said for having a formula that works and sticking to it. But at the same time, if that's all you're doing and you're not actually innovating on your form at all, then someone else can just come in and make the same game you're making with different art assets and that's it. And hell, this game basically ripped off the entire Paper Mario style and just <laughs> did it with... It just it, They just did it with bugs instead of mario characters and i don't think there's anything nintendo can do about that no it's like so, you don't you don't have a you don't have a trademark on uh just making f putting flat sprites in a 3d environment so if nintendo could have sent them a cease and desist already they would have yep <laughs> yeah i actually that said they don't really comment on the paper flatness of all the characters at all really okay which is, yeah, I, I was sort of perhaps surprised because like in the Paper Mario games, they, they make some jokes about that and stuff like that. Some of the games have mechanics where like you fold Mario into a boat or a plane or something like that. Yeah. Or he goes sideways to slip through cracks, you know. But uh, the game didn't really have the, well, I haven't finished it, but I haven't really seen any of that from the game. And at this point, given how far I am in it, I doubt I'm going to. But yeah. I mean, they did crib entire, like, they did crib entire level archetypes from Paper Mario, though. Like, every Paper Mario game, it seems, has the puzzly desert level 
Yeah. Where you uh, have to find your always way. Always the worst part of the game. Yeah, where you have to find <laughs> your way through a shifting desert sand um, level of different screens. And this game has a puzzly desert level where you have to make your way through different screens, and it's you know you're kind of unlocking new paths and stuff. And there's like weird puzzles about like, oh, how do I access this thing that isn't there initially? Just like the Paper Mario desert puzzle levels. So like, it really, really cribs super hard from the Paper Mario games. Which, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. I mean, if you like them, it, the game can be good. Uh, but I think it's not that it's not just a straight, like, they didn't just copy it, but they tried to add, you know, their own kind of spin on some of the mechanics. I find, you know, like, there's some interesting stuff there. All right. Bugs. Bugs. Fables well, and bugs. You know, I love to eat bugs. At least I think they do. Turtles. Turtles, eh? I think that. Uh, well, anyways, even if I'm wrong about that, uh, I played uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. I did a co-op playthrough with a couple friends. Um, yeah, that that's just a solid beat 'em up. <laughs> yeah, I I'd say the beat 'em up is dead. But uh, I, I, I think that might, I think I might stand by that because I think this game is basically just coasting on nostalgia. I haven't I mean, played it. I just assume. The only like Turtles game I ever really played was the, the NES beat 'em up. Not, not the like weird side scrolly, like one with the overworld. That's way too difficult. But there was, there was a beat 'em up for that NES that I played a bunch of. Tur- is it Turtles in Time? Turtles in Time was for the Super Nintendo okay. and the arcades, but there was like an older one. Yeah, no, I just did a I just did a co-op playthrough with some friends for that because it was on Game Pass. We wanted to try it just under three hours for us to get through it. Yeah. Just a quick, fun experience. Uh, great music. Uh, music was done by T-Lopes, who also did the music for Sonic Mania. Oh, nice. Um... Yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. Um, after, I want to say about a decade, I finally finished the second case in Ace Attorney Apollo Justice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, oh, fucking time. I, I was actually just talking to Santo before about how the la- when I had originally played it, like I on the day, day two of the investigation, I just, there was something that I was missing that was keeping me from progressing. And I just could not find whatever this trigger was that was keeping me from progressing. I breezed through it this time. No, nothing stopped me. Oh, wow. <laughs> there was no, there was no looking for a trigger. I just, I just went through day two investigation, no problem. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing about the Phoenix Wright games is it sometimes, I have definitely run into this where I know like I figured out what happened and I'm trying to like skip a step. Yeah. And and, yep. and I'm like I'm trying to skip a step and the game doesn't recognize that like I know what I am trying to get Phoenix to point out, but I've missed some sort of I've missed one of the pieces that I'm supposed to prevent in the correct order of the logical chain of reasoning and so the game's just like no. Yeah. That that's probably actually the the biggest frustration about 
that series. Is yeah. yeah. Like, and like realistically, you know, if you think about it, there are multiple ways to sort of draw the line. Like there's multiple orders in which you can draw the lines of evidence to like prove a point. But the game really only has one that it supports. It has the scripted order you need to present. Yeah, and yeah. like some some games are just like better than that, better at that than others. Like there's a few instances in the first couple, first few games, actually, first three specifically, where you can present one of like two pieces of evidence to kind of make the same point. Whereas in the later games, it feels like okay, like there there's a point that has to do with like the gun, and you can't. And how the gun like killed the person. And it's like, do you present the gun to talk about or the autopsy report? And only one of those actually works. And I swear, like, sometimes it's they're not consistent with that either. Yeah. And and to your point about the investigation stuff, like that that case for me in particular had one of the like most like difficult stumbling blocks for me. I, I definitely like just had a part where I was just like going to every single location and be like, okay, what fucking pixel did I miss when I'm looking around? <laughs> uh, or like what, yep. what like character profile or piece of evidence that I just didn't present to somebody for some reason. Uh, but I mean, I think the game gets much better than that. I think the second case of Apollo Justice is one of the weaker ones in the series. Yeah, it wasn't a I, I, I just good case. I just wasn't a fan of most of the, pretty much all the characters in that case. But the game gets better after that. I, I like. I think the only character in that case I liked was a uh, Guy Eldoon. <laughs> Noodle guy. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. And and the the uh, Gavin, the prosecutor, he's yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah. Just fucking Euro trash. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, aside from those, I read. Uh, disrupting the game by Reggie Fizeme. Oh, <laughs> the tell-all. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, like this is this something? Obviously, something I wrote after he left Nintendo. Yeah, um, yeah, he wrote it uh, after his retirement in 2019. It, it touches a little bit on the stuff he did afterwards, like just very briefly on the like year he was on the board of or the committee or whatever for a uh, GameStop. Huh. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it starts out with hit. It starts out with him, uh, living in the Bronx as a kid. Um, his time at Cornell, uh, going to school for marketing. Um, and his time at, uh, some of the companies he worked at leading up to Nintendo, like, uh, um, Panda Express's parent company, um, uh, Pizza Hut, obviously. Pizza Hut, yep. Uh, but yeah, the, 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 the big portion of the book is just like, the, or like the most interesting is just his time at Nintendo. And, uh, yeah, what, what I found really interesting was, um, his first, or no, it wasn't his first time at E3, but... It was when they first showed off the Wii in 2006 um, at E3, they had their presentation structured where they showed a little bit on Twilight Princess and then focus a lot on Wii Sports to show what the Wii can do with the controller. Right. Um, so after the the uh, presentation to the press and uh, other people, and uh, 
just the general audience, uh, they had their presentation they had to give to uh, retailers. And Iwata was actually pushing to switch, because for the, for the retailer presentation, they actually had it structured where they were going to focus more on Zelda and less on Wii Sports, because, well, Reggie, he, uh, he knew that that's what the retailers want to see. They want to see the big name, the, the game that's going to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, but Iwata was pushing to give the same presentation that they had given to the press. Um, and Reggie kept uh, pushing back to keep it as it was because last-minute changes could result in technical difficulties. And, well, he's the marketing, and he, w- he was in charge of, like, marketing and sales for Nintendo America at that time. So he pushes back, and eventually Awada relents, and they keep it as it is. Um, shortly after that, after E3, uh, Reggie finds out that Iwata wants to come back from Japan to talk to him. And Reggie's thinking, oh, this is I, I'm going to get reprimanded or fired. So he's putting together this whole 20-page document, like showing that the retailers are uh, interested and the, like, the way he, he pushed for it worked. Um, he goes into his meeting with Awada like a week after E3, goes to hand him his little presentation. Awada stops him, just puts a little piece, or like a two-page document in front of him, subject line, promotion, reads the opening line. I am pleased to offer you the position of President and Chief Operating Officer of Nintendo of America Incorporated. All Reggie could say was, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he went to that what? meeting thinking he was going to get fired or reprimanded. Nope, promoted to president. Yeah. His body was Reggie. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was, a, it, was a, it was a good read. I really, I really liked it. Uh, just getting into the, Reggie's thought process, uh, like, behind the scenes of how he, how he changed Nintendo. Because... At the time, when he started Nintendo of America, they weren't really... Because they were a subsidiary of uh, Nintendo... Because they were a subsidiary of Nintendo, they didn't exactly do things in a traditional business sense. um, But he he pushed to change things a lot. And even before he got hired... um, he pushed to have a a meeting with Awada, which was unheard of. Hmm. So he, as he says, he he disrupts the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's one of the things that Nintendo's always one of the things Nintendo's always struggled with. Really, is that their management really focuses on the Japanese market. Yeah, but most of their sales are not in the Japanese market. Yeah, and that that's why Reggie was pushing because he knew the Western market. So. And he was able to help some of the executives at uh, Nintendo Japan uh, see things that way a little better. Yeah, I am kind of disappointed that you know, of the of the people at Nintendo now, it's like, is there a face of Nintendo anymore? Uh, like not in the same way there's like the cu- I, there's a couple of guys that always do the Nintendo directs but I don't actually know their names yeah, yeah. like, like that's, they, that's they, a... the the personality isn't there anymore yeah that's the thing like you know when it came to their 
when it came to their, you know, their keynotes and stuff, you know, Reggie and Iwata. And, and Miyamoto. And Miyamoto as well. Sometimes. I mean, Miyamoto, yeah, mostly on Miyamoto's games specifically. Yeah. But, but yeah, Miyamoto too. Like they were always like they were able to present like kind of a consistent sort of public face for the company. And I feel like they kind of don't have that anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, Reggie was a meme machine. He from, was a from, meme machine. From his first public appearance at, uh, in a position at Nintendo, the, I believe it was the 2004 E3, just with his kicking ass and taking names line. Yeah. Just from right there, just immediately the memes, the Reginator. Yeah. <laughs> like, the Reginator was born that day. The Reginator was born that day. And, like, when he... Uh, and, like, with, with uh, Iwata and Reggie, like, they, they had fun with it for those presentations. Like, there was even that year where their entire direct was a- animated? Is that the right term that adult or that uh, robot chicken uses? Because they had the robot chicken guys. I mean, like, it's... <laughs> It was probably digital claymation, yeah. but <laughs> but they had an, their entire presentation done up by uh, the robot chicken guys one year, yeah. and that I, I and that was the intro with them as the puppets. Yep, <laughs> it's like <laughs> what the hell? I, yeah. I I just love the bit of the guy in the crowd just uh, come on, Reggie, give us Mother Three, and Reggie's just like, how about this instead? Eats a fire flower and just shoots a fireball at the guy in the crowd. Yeah, like. Yeah, they, they they had fun, and now like the directs are just so like corporate. Yeah, like yeah, they're very here's, sterile. Here's a game, please enjoy. Here's a game, please enjoy. That's the fucking cadence of it. And it's very rare you get someone actually like you might at the start of the direct have someone there to like actually present something, but a lot of the time it's just a narrator yeah. just uh, going from product to product on the direct. And like, where's Doug Bowser? Like, he took over for Reggie, and I'm like, okay, the dude's last name is Bowser. Yeah, like, that, that, <laughs> Like, I, I expected yeah. to see a lot more of him. That like, really uh, feels like it, like, there's a huge, huge opportunity there for just some, like, silly marketing gags. The, the first, their initial reveal of, like, hey, this is the guy that's taking over was, like, really funny, because it was just, like, the new CEO, or, 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 like, new, like, head of Nintendo of America is Bowser. And then, like, a CGI Bowser walks out on screen with a freaking tie or whatever. <laughs> it's like, no, sorry, not you. Yeah. So, like, they had fun with it then, but, like, I guess he's, you know, there just as, just doing the business stuff, not doing yeah, the, well, the well, when he, uh, face of the company stuff. In the book, when Reggie talks about his departure from the company, he made sure, like, him and... Doug Bowser reached out to like a bunch of their business partners and made calls to them and and like made it clear to them that they're they're not it's not going to be run the same way he's going Doug's going to be running things his way they're that the, right things aren't going to be the same and just like making sure that all their business partners knew that man who'd have thought Bowser's running a hard ship with no fun. <laughs> He's about efficiency, all right? Say what you will. He was able to capture the princess a lot of times. <laughs> Those airships don't come out of nowhere. That's right. The military-industrial Koopa complex. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, if you have the chance, I would recommend giving uh, Disrupting the Game a read. It's a, it's a good read. 
I enjoyed it. Sweet. Um, uh, do you know if there's an audiobook version? Because if there's oh, an audiobook version with Reggie reading it... Oh, that oh. would be amazing. I don't know, because I, I just read it on my Kindle, so All I, don't, right. okay. I don't know. Disrupting the game from the Bronx to the top of Nintendo. Author, Reggie Philzame. Narrator, Reggie Philzame. Fils of A, whatever. <laughs> He's Reggie. I don't I don't need to know the last name. <laughs> um but yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah, he he narrated his own book. There you go. Okay. Sick. <laughs> so so uh you can either read it like I did or you can listen to it in probably the better way. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, now I've got a couple of news stories. Um, how'd you like $20,000? That would be nice. I would like that. Well, um, street, uh, popular streamer Moist Critical. Oh God. Has put out a $20,000 bounty for footage of completing Halo 2 on Legendary with all skulls on without dying. No, not all skulls on. All skulls except one, which is the one skull that actually makes the game easier. So there's a skull that lets you turn invisible when your flashlight's on. And you're mm. not, that one That one has to be off. Okay. Uh, as of, as of, as of uh, last I heard, uh, this has never been accomplished by anyone ever. I despite... think there's some people that claim they've done it. But there's no proof. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is what he wants. He wants the proof. I, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of funny because like he actually started at $5,000. And then after a couple weeks, I think he was just like, okay, I realized I was overconfident. I thought I could just wave a magic wand. So he increased the amount to try and get someone able to complete this. He, in his own video, said that he, like, can't complete the first level of the game in this mode. Because it's so difficult. Like. Halo 2 is notorious for just how difficult it is when you throw on all the skulls. And, just, I mean, even without it, those jackal snipers on Legendary are just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it, from from what I understand, it basically the only way to complete the challenge is to essentially beat the game in one sitting with no mistakes. Like one mistake and you're dead, basically. I mean, I've seen it's it's doable. I've seen somebody get the uh um achievement for completing every like there is an achievement for completing like from start to finish a world of uh, Super Meat Boy without dying. And there's one of those for each world, including like the, um, like the secret, like insane levels. I've seen somebody get that. So it took them God knows how many tries, but there's a possibility there. I'm not attempting it. I'm but... certainly not attempting <laughs> it. No. The only way I would attempt this is for laughs. Cause not even I, the money. I, I, I mean, there's no chance. There's zero chance. If if people have been going at this for enough time, and there's already lots of people who have played an absolute ton of Halo 2. 
right? People have tried, I'm sure, to beat the game with all the skulls but one um, for quite a long time. You had, people had beaten the game with all the skulls on before, um, but it's just that that one skull makes the game slightly easier. And so, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's probably doable, but it's it's going to take someone a lot of pain to yeah. actually do it. Yeah. That said, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of teenagers with no job and who are out of school right now since it's the summertime that are trying to beat Halo 2 Legendary with all but one skull right now. Teenagers don't know what Halo 2 yeah. is. Yeah. Well, come on. The, the, they know they... who Moist Critical is and that That's he's offering $20,000 to someone who, like, gives a full video proof. They know Master Chief from Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the Master Chief skin in Fortnite? Minecraft. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to talk about is, have either of you guys heard the legend of Let Me Solo Her? No. This sounds like a Dark Souls thing. It's Elden Ring, actually. Close enough. <laughs> um, so there's this uh, player named Let Me Solo Her that... Uh, basically, yeah, his, his in-game name is Let Me Solo Her, and he just puts his summon sign down in front of Melania, the, uh, the arguably hardest boss in Elden Ring. Um, and la at last I checked, uh, he'd been summoned and defeated her 300 times, um, wearing, using nothing but dual-wield katanas, and his character being completely naked except for a pot on his head. <laughs> All right. Um, and yeah, so he got a lot of recognition for doing this from the community and even from the developers because they sent him a replica sword from Elden Ring. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, unfortunately, it's not a replica of the katanas he used. <laughs> mm. It's just like a broadsword replica. <laughs> I mean, how many sword replicas do they have? <laughs> they should have sent him a pot in the mail. <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty crazy. They, yeah, they like... could have sent him King Midas's clothes in the mail. <laughs> yeah, uh, when when I got to uh, Melania, I I looked for a summon sign. I I didn't see it though. I was hoping, <laughs> I was hoping I'd be able to summon him. But alas, no. I think my favorite um, stupid, stupid Elden Ring thing I've seen was there's a YouTuber, Inferno Plus. He made Cursed Halo, but he also made a video of essentially defeating every single boss in Elden Ring in one shot. <laughs> yep. One hit. Mm -hmm. um, he was successful on, I believe, all but two, two. bosses. Yep. And just just ridiculous i i didn't like it's not a game where you should be able to one-shot bosses but he just like put together like ridiculous combo bullshit yeah and uh you can defeat the final boss in dark souls in one shot i've been wanting to play his uh dark souls one mod that adds the halo weapons to the game <laughs> uh yeah i think i saw I think I saw that. I, I think in the first area where you start, I think the plasma pistol's hidden there. 
So you can you can fight the asylum demon with the plasma pistol. <laughs> That's so stupid. All right, so is that it for this week? I think so. Short one this week. Yeah. But if you're just starving for more content from us, uh, we got a couple of 20 minutes till dawn videos up on the channel. Uh, so check those out. Uh, a couple solo runs. So let us solo them. Uh, and yeah. Also check us out on Twitch, on Twitter, any other stuff on YouTube. It's all three levels deep. Except for Twitch, which is three levels deep TV. Because there are some inactive people who are squatting on our damn name. We'll, we'll get you eventually. Damn squatters. <laughs> so yeah, hope you enjoyed. And see you next time. Paper Mario. 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 Mario. Paper Mario. Paper Mario. Mario. Paper Mario. Mario. Paper Mario. Paper Mario. Paper Mario. Paper Mario. Paper Mario. It's legally distinct.